every child, every kid, every teenager, every adult needs to have encounters with God. You got to have some encounters with God. I was just doing a little video talking about how I got snake bit when I was a kid. And uh, I hobbled home on, on, on one leg, holding my, you know, I know you're supposed to tourniquet your leg. So I'm holding my leg and I'm running home. And uh, got home, mom sh- shoved me in the car. We, you know, raced to the doctor and um, got to the doctor and there was no effect from the poison. It was a big water moccasin. There was no effect from the poison whatsoever. The doctor stuck this big needle in my, my leg and uh, just in case, but there was no effect at all. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. Amen. Well, after the fact, mom reminded me, she said, yeah, all the way to the doctor, you were saying in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hey. Well, you need some encounters where you use the, the supernatural remedies that God has provided to save your life. To, to, you need some encounters with God. You need some moments in your history where you say, you know what? I know God's real. Because he doesn't, he doesn't feel real every day because this is a life of faith. This is not a movie that you get to. This is, not, this is a life of invisible belief. Amen. But your invisible belief is supposed to cause mighty miracle working power occasionally. Amen. That's undeniable for your soul so that your mind, cause you know, I've listen. I, I had a friend who got filled with the spirit as a teenager. He was an atheist. We grew up with this guy. He was my friend in the neighborhood. He was an atheist. There was me and my mom who were Christians and one other neighbor who was a Christian. And we would argue with him, uh, about God trying to convince him. And he was smart. So he had all these rebuttals as a kid. As a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 11, 14, 15, we're arguing with him, you know, not so terribly, but yet he was the atheist and we were the Christians trying to get him saved. Well, one day he comes, uh, we get a knock at the door, he's 16 years old, we get a knock at the door and he's, he's standing at the door smiling. He had gone to a camp, a youth camp, and got saved. And he came and gave us huge hugs. We're all crying. He had gotten gloriously converted. Hallelujah. Then he got filled with the Holy Spirit before me. I wasn't even interested in, in the things of God at the time. He got all interested and a few other neighbors got interested. And they started trying to get me filled with the Holy Spirit. But he got filled with the Spirit by himself in his room by just saying, God, if it's real, let me have it. And boom, the Holy Spirit hit him. He started speaking in tongues and he couldn't, he couldn't stop himself. And he, he prayed in tongues so long, he started wondering, my mom's going to come in here and find me and think I'm crazy. And after about an hour, hour and a half speaking in tongues, he just started laughing and just, he was in the spirit. Glorious encounter with God. By the time he finishes college, he's an atheist again. That's not supposed to happen. And, you know, he attributed it to, he tri- attributed it to, attribute to, <laughs> Sally shells seas by the sea. <laughs> Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, that's for sure. Yeah. 
And, and I've talked with him since then, you know, several times. He had another encounter in, in his 30s. He had an encounter with God, uh, a vision, and, and just a moment where it was like so clear. But he's, he still is skeptical. Now, now he's come around. He knows there's a God. But he's trying to deny things, saying it was emotionalism. And my, my rebuttal to him is, listen, you're a smart dude. You were extremely intellectual. You were always in your right mind. I mean, we as kids, we, we fought and argued with each other about every topic under the sun. We jockeyed in intellect for years together. And you were always in your right mind. So when you told me that story, when that thing happened to you, you were in your right mind, weren't you? So stop arguing with your earlier self. You should admit of what happened to you. So listen, whatever's happened to you... Uh, in church, whatever experience you've had with God, let it be real to you. And, and don't let the devil deny you that experience. Don't let the devil deceive you out of what really has happened to you. You spoke with tongues. You knew it was real. It seems kind of, speaking in tongues seems natural to some degree because it, it's coming from your body. So it seems, it's the most supernatural, natural thing you can do. Wait, wait, wait. It's the most natural, supernatural thing you can do. Speaking with tongues is the most natural, supernatural thing you can do. But you got to remember back when it started that it wasn't just you, that it was supernatural. Don't ever let the devil talk you out of the fact that tongues and the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is natural. It's supernatural. So you need some encounters with God that you can identify as absolute. Like there's no way that I can turn from God. It'd be just too wrong. Too wrong after you've seen and experienced God to turn away. So there's no life pressure that can turn me from God. There's things that might shove you and challenge you and tempt you. But by and large, there's no way I'm turning from belief. There's no way I'm turning in lifestyle. There's no way I'm discarding all the holy things I've seen. So you need some holy things. You need to experience God. You need to commit to God so that you're anchored to him. In the Old Testament, they used to build altars. Every time something mighty would happen, they'd build an altar. Uh, and then, you know, they'd move on. The tribe would move. They would go to a different land or whatever, but there was always an altar or a well. And, and those memorials told the nation, reminded the nation, God, he, he delivered us. God gave us water when we needed it. God, etc. So... You and I need some of those monuments in our life. You need some miracles in your life. Amen. Not miracles that you just observed, miracles that you caused. That's why we say, hey, listen, don't just sit there saying, well, I ain't never seen a miracle. I'd sure like to see a miracle. Boy, I sure would want to see a miracle. I sure have. No, don't, don't do it that way. No, that, that won't be special enough. To just see a miracle is not special enough. You need to cause a miracle. You need to be involved in a miracle. You need to pull the miracle down and in. Okay, so you need to be involved in the miracle for it to be special to you. Because the special part of it is not just the miracle. The special part is that God worked through you. The spe special part is that God and you partnered in some way to cause the miracle. Amen. And so there is a, there's always a human element to miracles. Just like getting filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a human element. The human element for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit is you have to do the speaking. So put yourself in a place where God can involve himself in your life and do miracles in your life. Because we, we're going to need some miracles in our life to remember. 
And then really, you know, you know, having a miracle once is not enough, is it? We need a supernatural life of miracles. Using our faith one time to get a big thing or a small thing or just get saved, that's not enough. We need to have a life of faith. I like eating steak more than once in my life. We like chips and queso more than once a month. Don't make me wait more than once. Did I see you? You don't like chips and queso yet? Okay. We'll give some mercy to you. Hey, if you didn't grow up eating chips and queso, I understand. I understand. We'll get you some lettuce. Be fine. Get you some lettuce. Praise the Lord. All right. Y'all ready for the Bible? Open to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We're going to talk about uh, several things today. How about that? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the church, spirit-filled life, spiritual things. We started it last week. We'll say some uh, similar things today. John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus said this, John 7, 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What is that? Well, it sounds pretty spiritual, doesn't it? That means you're going to have to open up to the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So you have to recall, and that's why we make note of this all the time, is that Jesus' ministry in the earth to his disciples was all done without them having the Holy Spirit. And so that couldn't even happen yet because Jesus wasn't glorified and therefore the Holy Spirit was not yet given. So once the Holy Spirit is given, the natural man changes. Up until the Holy Spirit was given, humans were just natural. We could only relate to God naturally. We had to have a burning bush in order to hear from him. We had to have signs and we had to have uh, visible things to happen to know that God was involved. Gideon had to put out a fleece. Gideon asked for basically three signs to prove that God's speaking to me. You and I don't get to ask God for signs. Amen. Jesus says it's the perverse generation that seeks after a sign. Don't seek after a sign from God. You sent something from God, your next statement should not be, I need a second sign. No, 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 no. That was before the Holy Spirit was given. Now that the Holy Spirit is given, things change. And you got to get spiritual. Amen. You and I have to get spiritual or we'll miss the whole thing. That's a little responsibility on us. It'd be, it'd be easier if God could just burn up your bushes in the front yard. It's like we're going to have to plant more bushes this year because last year God talked to us a lot. No, that's not real because the bush that spoke to Moses didn't burn. So anyway, <clears throat> I mean, I actually know the Bible, but anyway, it's kind of funny to think about 
You don't need burning bushes to, to, to hear from God. You, you need to get spiritual. Y'all okay with that? And, and all of a sudden now, it's not just an easy cakewalk in earth life. If you, want it, if you want to walk with God, it's a life of faith. It's a life of hearing from God, believing what you heard, and stepping out on what you heard Amen. without having to see anything first. That's the life of faith. So you got to get spiritual, and you can't get spiritual till you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You can believe in Jesus, but you can't go too far until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not going to tap into the supernatural life until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then once you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to use your faith to step out there and allow God to lead you and guide you and speak to you and use you in the things of God. All right, so go to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Now we're over in after the cross, after he was glorified, after the Holy Spirit came. And Paul's explaining some things to the church at Corinth that all, all Christians need to know. Particularly, they had been filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he had to sort some things out with them because they, were, they didn't know how to do it right. They were, doing, they were getting a little loose in church. He had to tighten it up a bit. Uh, he had to uh, explain how the manifestation of the Spirit was supposed to be ordered and managed in the church and how motives had to be right and how we're all part of this together and there's a purpose for signs and wonders. There's a purpose for miracles. There's a purpose for God's manifestation in, in a, an assembly. So he had to explain that. He was doing a little correcting, but he was also giving some spiritual principle and, and teaching here. And so chapter 12, verse 1, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. How many of you would like to be ignorant? How many teenagers in here would like to be ignorant? Any, any teens want to be ignorant? Don't raise your hand. I'll get you. I'll get you. No, no, nobody should want to be ignorant. Paul didn't want the church to be ignorant concerning spiritual matters. Now, it says spiritual gifts, but the word gifts is italicized. He doesn't want them to be ignorant of spiritual matters, spiritual things, things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit. He wants them to understand the Holy Spirit and all things spiritual. All things related to the assembly, all things spiritual related to the Holy Spirit. And so we, we covered some of this last week, some of the manifestations of the Spirit, operations, uh, ministries, activities, or governments. And so we covered some of that, but I wanted to get down here to verse 12. It says, for as the body, well, wait, let me, let me read verse 11. After giving all the gifts and all the things that could possibly happen by the Spirit to and through us, he says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So this distribution of Holy Spirit manifestation and gift is given by the Spirit. And so you have to be open to this and then learn how God might use you. And then you may not know still, you may have to step out by unction uh, to ever get to see God move through you. I remember one time I was sitting in church before we were pastoring in our home church. And at the end of the service, uh, I had this compassion come over me, just a compassion and I saw two ladies, two particular ladies. I just, oh, my heart just kind of leapt toward them. And, and at the end of the service, I walked over and I said, hey, is, can, is there anything you need prayer for? I just, and it was healing. So I that she needed healing. I prayed for her and she was instantly healed. I went to the other one, same thing. She needed healing, instantly healed. And I know it happened because of compassion. I know it was an unction of the Holy Spirit to get me to go present myself to them. 
Now, we don't like people uh, just running around doing that with everybody, just running around, can I pray for you, can I pray for you, can I pray for you? But by unction of the Holy Spirit, it's okay. And, and then you got to test yourself. So if you keep missing it a bunch, then you don't do that anymore. <laughs> and and we, don't, we don't want men running over to all the ladies to try to pray for them. Let, let me lay hands on you. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> These particular ladies were friends of mine. Uh, I knew that they were okay with me approaching them. So going to strangers all the time is not how we like it to happen here in church. If you're ever uncomfortable, somebody doing that, uh, just tell them, no, no, thank you. Anybody offering to pray for you, you can always say, you know what? Not right now. Thank you. Love you. Okay. So we want you to be protected in here and feel like you're safe in here. Uh, and we don't want, but you, you can, okay, that's enough. All right. You got it. You got it. Concerning spiritual, I don't want you to be ignorant. Verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but, mem but many. The foot should say, because I'm not a hand, Am I not of the body? Is therefore not of the body. In the ear. And then he goes on, if, verse 17, if, an, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Verse 18, but God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Amen. And this is one of the, the proofs that, listen, you need to be part of a body. You know, toes should not be at home by themselves. <laughs> it's not right. He put you in the body. Just as he pleased. And if all were one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So, no, much, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, we, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. <clears throat> Verse uh, 24, but our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one. How could you have the care for one another if you weren't connected to anybody? Verse 26. See, this is a spiritual chapter. Listen, the body of Christ is spiritual. You're going to have to give yourself spiritually to the body of Christ. So that the members have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. How could you rejoice with all the members of a local assembly if you weren't part of it? Well, I get all my spiritual food from the television and from media. I got my... Well, you might get some food here and there, but you're not connected. You're not experiencing this. You're ignorant of spiritual things. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Stop there. <clears throat> verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So there's people that think that they're, I mean, they're believers in Christ. They think they're spiritual. They're out there trying to do some good. They're out there thinking that God's called them to bounce around, do whatever they want to do. But if they don't have love, it profits them nothing. And if you're not interested in being with the body of Christ, there's a lack of love somewhere. Amen. If you can't commit to people and be responsible to be, I mean, if, you're, if you love people, then you're, you're easily found. That's one of the aspects of being a Christian. You need to be found. You need to be available. All right, we'll move along. Anybody want me to move along from this? Praise the Lord. These things cannot be understood except through illumination of the Holy Spirit. The excellency of, of God, the excellency of Christ cannot be understood except by illumination to your heart. And it's the Holy Spirit that does the illuminating. You'll have to be open to the Holy Spirit so he can illuminate you. And this is part of us getting familiar with the Holy Spirit. Even in church service, we need to be familiar with the Holy Spirit. There's a tendency of people just even if they're spirit-filled, remaining a little bit too carnal and looking at outward signs a little bit too much, outward show a little bit too much to determine if there's the Holy Spirit or not. You can have the Holy Spirit in a quiet service as much as a loud service. You can have the Holy Spirit as much in a teaching service as you can a, a, a preaching service. Sometimes people like the, the, high, the high energy. Sure, that can, be, that can be of the Spirit, but sometimes that can be of the flesh. Teaching can be of the Spirit sometimes. Teaching can also be in the flesh. Amen. And so we need to get familiar with how the Holy Spirit operates, the, the, the moments in church services, the, 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 the unctions that he may or may not give. Uh, you know, Brother Hagin used to say this all the time. He said, you know, if the Holy Ghost came walking down the, the center aisle with a red hat on, people would miss him. People miss the Holy Spirit. They don't know, you know, let's say we give a tongue and somebody's interpreting it and it's, it's a good one. And man, people start clapping right in the middle of an interpretation. It's like, and then then people can't hear. That'd be ridiculous, right? Don't, don't interfere when the Holy Spirit's doing something. If it's a quiet time, be very careful about being the loud one. There's, there's exceptions. There's times when the Spirit might move and might start something. But do that by unction of the Holy Spirit. Don't think that you have to be the loud one every time you're in church service. Also, don't be upset with loud people. Be considerate. Everything you do would be to, to, to help everybody be edified. We're, we're considering everybody here. The Holy Spirit appreciates it when we consider each other. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. So be careful about just liking the structure, liking the appeal of what you see, liking the, the, the uh, structured ceremony, the performance be careful about liking that too much. Some of it's okay. Some of it's fine. Keep it in order though and keep it in perspective uh, so that you don't miss the spiritual stuff. Because what, you'll, what happens is if you overemphasize natural things, it'll replace the spirit. And a lot of times I think because the spirit's not moving, sometimes people tend to create things to fill the gap. Well, if the spirit's not moving, uh, I'll take the blame, but I'm not going to fill the gap and ruin it. We're going to, ex we're going to keep expecting. We're, we're going to keep tr using our faith to fill any gap that we think needs to be filled. We're not going to create it with natural things. 
And that's why I've always said there's not going to be any live farm farm animals ever walking through the building. (laughs) We might do a petting zoo outside. That'd be a different. We're not going to bring live camels walking through the church. To present something of God. Okay, so it's just, this just, just my thing. I mean, maybe you love that, and some churches do it and get people saved. I get that. But for me, that's just not how, that's not how, I, want, that's not how I want people to be ministered to. Watchman Nee said this. He said, that some people think the more physical and emotional fervor they put out, the more they are worshiping. But it's not so. He said, neither our emotion nor our thought has the same nature of God. It can't be joined with him. God is a spirit. He said some other things, but you can't handle them tonight. Okay. Let me uh, turn to Acts chapter 9, and let me quote this to you. Philippians 2 verse 1 says, If there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love of one accord of one mind. Goes back to, listen, if you try to do all the spiritual stuff without love, you're going to miss the whole thing. The activator of your faith really has to be in an atmosphere of love. You you have to have love if your faith's going to work right. I mean, you can be a rough Christian and get some miracles, but you better start getting some love pretty quickly. Uh, if you've ever read the Lester Summerall book that we have in the faith store, you, uh, you'd know what I'm talking about. If you haven't read the Lester Summerall, you need to. There's a couple of them, but you need to read his life story. It'll just blow you away. You'll cry. You'll laugh. You'll rejoice. You'll, you'll go on a journey with Lester Summerall. But when he got called in the ministry, if you'll recall, uh, how many of you know of Lester Summerall? Anybody? All right. So Lester Sumrall, he was a teenager, and uh, he was always fighting against God and his mom who wanted him to be uh, saved, and uh, he had a vision. He got sick. He was, had tuberculosis, I think. He got sick. He was about to die, and God showed him a vision, and in the vision, at one side of the bed was a coffin. The other side of the bed was a Bible. He said, if you don't preach the gospel, you're going to die. Lester Sumrall said, okay, I'll do it. So I think he was only 17 years old, and uh, the next day, he... Uh, got his suitcase and told his mom and dad, I'm leaving to go preach the gospel or I'm going to (laughs) die. And he got healed and he took off with his friend in some old July. His friend had a car, so they took off. He didn't know anything about anything, but he went to preach the gospel. And his first year preaching the gospel and maybe even longer, he hated people. (laughs) Everywhere he went, he'd preach the gospel. He said, I hated these people. And so I'd I'd, I'd just stop and leave and tell them to get right with God. And he just hated... He just hated, I mean, he admitted, I hated these people. He said, all these farmers were spitting tobacco on the ground. I couldn't stand them. <laughs> but they'd get saved. And uh, before you knew it, he had the love of God in him. So you can't do much. For a little while, he'll have some mercy on you. But uh, you need to get spirit filled. You need to pray in tongues. You need to develop the love of God. You need to let God pour out the love of God in your heart. It's in there. If you're saved, it's in there. But you've got to let it out. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Uh, but I want you to hear those terms. Paul said, if there's any, any comfort of love in Christ, any fellowship of the Spirit, any bowels and mercies, be like-minded. Be like-minded. 
We're supposed to be like-minded with him and with one another, having the same love in one accord with one mind. Uh, Acts chapter 9, I wanted to show you Paul's deal here. Oh, wait, no, I didn't want to show you that. This was just, I wanted you to see verse 31. Verse 31, then the, the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Notice those terms, walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. What, listen, what is the comfort of the Holy Spirit? The spiritual thing, what is the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Well, whatever it is, you need to find out because they were walking in it. Walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You and I need to feel that. You need to pray in the Spirit and sit with the Lord long enough. Read your Bible, a couple pages, then pray in the Spirit for 10 minutes. A couple pages, pray in the Spirit until you can tap into the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You need to do that in a big way, like an intense way for a while, till you can contact the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Then, through the rest of your life, you can get back to that place when you need him. You can walk with him throughout the day and be comforted so that you're never anxious, so that you're never uh, disheveled, so that you're never upset, so that you're never in the valley. And so as a believer, you need to recognize the Holy Spirit's going to comfort you and help you in this faith life so that your life doesn't go like this. Your life needs to be like this. You don't need to be too low when it's low. You don't need to be too high when it's high. And that's another aspect of uh, the flesh versus the spirit. If you're a flesh person, if you're a carnal Christian, you're, you're too depressed when things don't go your way, and you're too overly excited when they do go your way, meaning when they go your way, it's like, God's with me. And when, it, when they don't go your way, where is God? That's a carnal Christian. Don't do that. You can't, you can't contact God's spirit with your flesh. Don't be looking for goosebumps. Don't be looking for outward feeling. You have to do it by the spirits. Spirit of man contacts spirit of God. He's a spirit. You can't worship him without spirit. You can't worship him with your body that way. Old Testament, they could. New Testament, he's a spirit. Things have changed. So you can't look for that. That's why many days you're going to wake up not feeling all the glory. That's okay. I'm not trying to feel it. That's okay. I'm walking by faith. That's okay. As long as my spirit has comfort from the Holy Spirit and I have faith in that, I can make it through anything. So just notice these terms. These are some of our goals. And then notice they were together in all this. Okay. They had peace. The churches, they were walking in the fear of the Lord. Notice it says the churches throughout the churches. Not the Christians. This is not an individual effort. The Christian life is not an individual effort. It's churches. The way God looks at it is assemblies, families, togetherness, the body together. I put you somewhere together so that because somebody needs you and you need somebody. Oh, I don't need anybody. I just do it at the house. Got my grandma and my aunt living with me. That's enough Christians. Well, when we get to heaven, you you can borrow my crown. (laughs) 
hey, that's a good, that's something, that's something you could say to people. Some Christians that are backslidden, that's what you could say to them. Oh, you don't, you don't go, you don't, oh, I don't go to church. You don't go to church? Oh, well, when we get to heaven, you can borrow my crown. I'll let you, I'll let you take a selfie with my crown. Listen, I, I make light of this, but you need to have thought through some of these things because it helps me stay where I'm at. It helps me recognize, oh, no, no, I'm not discarded. Oh, no, no, devil. <laughs> oh, no, devil. There's nothing that's going to deter me. Oh, no. Oh, no, this is holy stuff. This is holy stuff. It's all going to be revealed soon. It's all going to be revealed. I'm just going to hang in there for another 50 years. That's it. So you come back next month, we'll have the same conversation, devil. And this is where you start recognizing that covenant and fellowship is important with other people. Uh, the more, div- listen, the more civilized our culture becomes, the less need there is for covenants. See, covenants were made because one had a strength, the other had a weakness, and so they made a deal. They needed each other. But in this culture, in a civilized society, we don't need each other as much. I mean, I need the DoorDash guy. That's about it. I need Amazon, DoorDash guy. That's about it. And I need the people at, at, at Google and other places to, to work. I need them to work so that I have something to do. That's all. That's what I need. But personal covenant making is, is almost not needed. Now, for Christians, it's needed. You need to have covenant with God and covenant with each other. Fellowship with each other. Responsibility towards somebody else. Even if it's just a little bit on Sunday, it's a beginning for you. Covenants always include an exchange of strength for weakness. Uh, Whatever I have is yours. Whatever you have is mine. So here, let me just start this with a gift. You'll find that when your heart starts wanting to make covenant with people, or at least sense that, uh, you'll want to give them something. You'll see somebody in church, you'll be like, man, I love you so much. I just want to bless your life somehow. And then I would say, find a way to bless their life somehow. You need some, some fellowship between each other that's that deep, where you'll give them something uh, that, that means something to you. Every Christian should go through this in your life. Usually in the beginning, especially, you should recognize, oh, wow, wow, all of a sudden I want to give... I want to give my brothers something, sisters something. Show up. I mean, a covenant means you show up for one another. Never talk bad about somebody you're in covenant with. You're in fellowship with You don't talk bad about them. You don't talk bad about them. You know, natural families should not talk bad about each other. Spiritual families should not talk bad about each other. They do it sometimes. They shouldn't. If you're in covenant with somebody, you support them. Amen. You defend them. Right. You make right. peace and you settle the differences. You say, well, well, somebody's wrong here, so y'all just hush up. No, no, no. There's some misunderstanding here. There's some facts that aren't on the table, so let's not discuss that. Let's not accuse people and judge things. You don't get offended when you're in covenant with somebody. Amen. And, the, and, and, a, and a true covenant, really, it lasts for life. There's, there's no reason for you not to have anything to do with a fellow Christian that you used to have something to do with. Right. I just don't have anything to do with him anymore. 
You better be careful of those things. We're going to get out of here quick if y'all don't, if y'all don't hush up. <laughs> Covenant will make a natural family mad. This is how you know you're really, you're really starting to, to walk in the shoes of Jesus, is your natural family is not extremely happy with you. Why? Because you're too committed. Natural family doesn't really understand covenant, doesn't want you to have too deep of a covenant with anybody but them. And if they're not in Christ, it's going to be a problem. Remember uh, Zipporah, Moses' wife? Moses, when he was about to lead the children of Israel, he, he, he wanted their son to get circumcised, supposed to get circumcised. And so he made Zipporah, his wife, circumcise the son. She was mad. She said, you're a bloody husband to me. She did not appreciate the covenant. Your natural people that aren't really walking with Jesus aren't going to appreciate the covenant you have with God, nor the fellowship that you have with the saints. They're always going to oppose your church attendance and your church service, and especially your church giving. Listen, we've had to deal with so many of these cases where the family was upset that their parents or somebody in their family was giving money to God. We've even had banks call and question is this person in their right mind? I mean, hey, I know that it happens when we got to be careful some of the things and help, help it be done right so we don't want anybody in there not in their right mind giving money that they can't give. Like, you don't go into debt to give to God. Please don't you ever do that. But on the other hand, family is always going to have an accusation if they're not with God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. All right. Is that enough for tonight? Elaine, uh, turn with me to the book of Romans. I'm going to quote you two scriptures. Let's talk about fellowship in the spirit because fellowship in the spirit requires born again spirit talking to born again spirit. Like I can't, I, I shouldn't connect with you in the flesh. I mean, unless I'm whipping you at ping pong. I'm not to know you just in the flesh. I'm not just to know your wit, your intellect, uh, or how much I really like you as a person. Uh, I want to connect with you in the spirit because only really spirit to spirit connection is valuable to God. And so with your family, with your church families, connect spirit to spirit. It's not just about, I like your humor. I like the way you talk. I like the way you look. Uh, it's got to be spirit to spirit. So that's fellowship in the spirit. Uh, remember when, uh, 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 Paul said this, he said, when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. The right hand of fellowship. It just means they were accepted. Uh, and that's, that's opposed to the left foot of fellowship. And you've heard that before. So you get the left foot of fellowship sometimes, but you're not supposed to. Among spirit-filled people especially, you cannot give somebody the left foot of fellowship. Some people have been booted out of denominations. We say they gave the left foot of fellowship. But we come over into spirit-filled folks, we get the right hand of fellowship. We love each other. We connect with each other. First uh, John 1, 7 says, if, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And so this is how you can always tell who's walking in the light is you'll have fellowship with them. Listen, anywhere you go, any Christian you meet out there, you can tell if they're walking in the light. How, how can you tell? Because, man, there's a, there's a light. There's a joy. There's a connection in the spirit. Even if it's a waitress in another town, 
It's like, oh, you're a believer. Yeah, I'm a believer too. Glory to God. Where do you go to church? It's just easy. And if you don't have that, then they're not walking in the light. They might believe in God. They might believe in Jesus. But you can always tell who's walking in the light because you have fellowship with them. Uh, Romans chapter 12 here. We'll read these a uh, little swiftly if we can. These are just some of our one another scriptures just to remind us that we're doing life together. We call it the ministry of one another. And everybody wants to know what their ministry is. It's to do something one to another. Your ministry is to be a blessing to other people. There's a connection. There's a fellowship in the spirit that you need to be devoted to and you'll find your call. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. So what are you supposed to do here at church? Be kindly affectionate toward me. In honor, giving preference to one another. This is how you're supposed to relate to people. Now, if you're not around people, you can't do this. If you're not going to be part of a church assembly, you can't do this. Look at chapter 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Look at chapter 14, verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another. Not judge one another. Look at chapter 15, verse 7. Therefore, receive one another just as Christ received us to the glory of God. I think that's what people experience here. Visitors come, we receive them, don't we? Why do we do that? Because it's just the nature of God in us. Look at chapter 15 here where we just, we'll start with verse one. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it's written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, the scriptures might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Look at chapter 16. Verse 16, greet one another. You're supposed to greet each other. Jesus actually said, you're not supposed to only greet each other. You're supposed to greet everybody. He said, even the heathen can greet their friends. You're supposed to greet people that aren't even your friends. You ever done that? Did you, when you became a Christian, did you find that you wanted to greet people, that you were happy to see other human beings? And they thought it was strange, didn't they? We're driving down the road. I was like, I'm always watching to make sure that, see if the person walking is going to look up, look up, look up. I'm going to get you. It's a, it's a strange thing. I, I've also told this part that when I came into the kingdom of God, in, driving around my neighborhood, I, I began to minister in the neighborhood and do stuff and go to church and all. And uh, all of a sudden I became a great friend of the police officers. Like before that, it was you hide from the police officers. And when you're not living right, you hide from them. When you, we're not living, you don't want to see a police officer if you're not living right. 
But when you start living right, they're your friends. They probably think I'm the craziest person in, this, in the community. <clears throat> My thought was, we're on the same side, man. You're trying to help people and save people. I'm trying to help people and save people. We're on the same side. I'm your friend. <clears throat> Glory to God. <clears throat> Have I told you all that story lately about uh, uh, I was... I used to put a loudspeaker on my truck and take food to the apartment complexes. And so we were doing it in front of this apartment complex one time. And uh, all of a sudden, this cop car pulls up. Somebody had complained about the noise in the apartments. And um, I don't think it had ever happened to me before. Never, never did an, a, a, a police officer show up when I was doing my, my outreach stuff. But he, the police car shows up. And so I stopped preaching and walked over to the police officer. He rolled down his window. And it was a buddy of mine from high school. <laughs> I thought, man, that's God for sure. And he says, Chaz, what are you doing out here, man? I said, oh, I'm preaching the gospel to people. He goes, oh, man, go ahead. Keep on. <laughs> um, go to Ephesians. Let's find some more one anothering. What's my ministry? Well, your ministry is number one, to help others receive Christ, and then your ministry in the church is to one another each other. Don't try to get fancy and, and think that it's got to be famous, whatever you do for God. Don't do that. There's been too many people that say, oh, God spoke to me that I'm going to win millions to, to God. Oh, keep that to yourself, Joseph. <laughs> keep that to yourself. Win the first hundred first. Then we'll talk about the next hundred before we start talking about all the millions. You know, that's just, it, there's too much self in, in some of the things people hear from God. Uh, God doesn't, do it, doesn't, doesn't really do it that way. You know, with Paul, the apostle, don't you think he should have said, Paul, follow me and I'm going to, you're going to touch billions of people. Shouldn't he have told Paul that? If that was important to tell somebody about their call, I'm going to use you in a mighty way to touch a billion. No, he said, he said uh, tell him what great things he's going to suffer for my namesake. How many of you would like that? Nobody ever has that call. The Lord told me that I'm going to suffer. great. No, no, nobody ever says that. It's always some fancy famous thing that they're fabricating in their own mind. And you probably want to be careful about prophesying that to people too. You see the gift and grace of God on somebody. That's not the time to go. You are going to do mighty big things. Don't, don't, don't be very careful about that. Be very, be very careful about that. Find the Holy ghost in it rather than get too excited about it and over inflate things. That's part of being led by the Holy spirit and following the Holy spirit, not just getting excited about a gift that you saw. <clears throat> Ephesians, what did I say? Four. Ephesians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. There, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the divine calling or the calling with which you are called. Listen, verse 2. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Have you bared with anybody lately in love? Do you know what that means? You got to bear with one another in love, with all lowliness, 
Man, I can't, I can't hardly hear anything with all the praising God and shouting going on. Thank you, Lord. Look at verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. There's enough one another things to keep you busy the rest of your life. Amen. Forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13 says, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do you. Amen. So you got to always go back to that. Listen, all this is a secret in your Christian walk. Always go back to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven you. God has forgiven you of so many things. All your big things, all your small things, all your dumb things, all your really bad things, he's forgiven you. He has had patience and mercy, and he's forbeared with you. He's long suffered with you. He's suffered long with you. He's still having mercy and patience with you. The least you could do is do it to your neighbor. Yes. Amen. That's right. We can do it. Usually it has to do with, you know, somebody disappointed us. We were expecting something they didn't give to me. They didn't do for me. My expectation wasn't met. Therefore, that's it writing them off. Man, we would all be written off if God had that stupid attitude. With the Holy Ghost, you can be different. With the Holy Spirit, we're different. You got to get into a life with the Holy Spirit where these things never even tempt you. First Thessalonians, I'll just quote these, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, wherefore comfort one another. You're supposed to comfort one another with these words, with scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, comfort yourselves together, together, together. Comfort yourselves together and edify one another. Edify one another. You got to come together so you can edify each other. Uh, or you can do it on the phone too. Do it on the phone. Edify each other over the phone. Edify each other via letter. Used to they would write letters to edify each other. Now, now you can do it quicker. <clears throat> Hebrews 3.13 says, exhort one another daily. Hebrews 10.24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, you're going to have to get your heart tender. You're going to have to stay low. You're going to have to get humble. Humility goes with love, goes with uh, gentleness, goes with the Holy Spirit. God is love. God is the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit is love. So if you're going to be in the Spirit, be a spiritual person, you're going to have to walk in love. You're going to have to get real deep in the love of God, real humble. Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, "There, there are two things you must have in a Pentecostal meeting. Spirit-filled meeting. You must have an offering. He said, never be ashamed to take an offering, even if you have, it, even if you have three meetings a day. And you must have a broken spirit. He used the term broken spirit. I'll explain it. Uh, he said, the nearer I get to God, the more broken I am in spirit. Now, our terminology here is not to be broken in spirit. It sounds like we're feeble. We're strong in spirit, giving glory to God, right? So the the term broken in spirit doesn't mean I'm disheveled and harmed or destroyed. It means my outer self is. 
It means my flesh is. It means I'm crucified with Christ. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. That doesn't mean you're supposed to walk around all sad and weak. No, it, the, the, the word poor in spirit means to crouch as in a beggarly mode of submission toward God. It's simply humility. It's being humble toward the Lord, not being pompous, not doing things for self, not doing things for show. To have a contrite heart means to, means to have remorse for sin. It means to, to, to have some sort of conviction in my heart that causes me to change. I approach God like that. Psalm talk about the sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a contrite heart. Uh, but it doesn't, it, when we get born again, our spirit is made whole. So we're not talking about that. We're talking about a humble heart, not haughty, having no confidence in the flesh. Those are all terms that Paul explained in the New Testament. Helpless in self, but equipped in him. Remember, out of weakness, we were made strong. It's the opposite of look at me. So having a parading type of a life is the opposite of, of being poor in spirit or having a contrite heart. <clears throat> Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So you need those two things in a spirit filled me. <laughs> Take a bunch of offerings. Why would he say that? You got to ask the question, why would he say that? I don't know. That'll be your homework assignment. Why does he have to put Why does he have to put offerings in the middle of a humble heart? Well, there's your homework assignment. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. It's what we're talking about in the beginning. When your when your heart's in, your money starts going in. It does something in the spirit realm. It's not that you're paying God. It's not that you're buying some miracle or something. It's about your heart. It's just about your heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.